What was school like? You know, you you the the nerd, the jock. The... No, no, I was definitely um, a bit more of a of a jock. Academics wasn't my my thing. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, I, I I yeah I did okay, but yeah, wasn't wasn't easy. What What was your first sport? What was the first sport you got on? Um, parents, we put me into um, football. Um, football and, and athletics basically at the same time so we had a winter sport and a summer sport you look like you could be in rugby you look like you could be in the scrum mate <laughs> no, no it's all the jackets it's all the jackets you just line it up mate do you still do yeah. sport now like how do you keep no I watch sport you <laughs> my watch kids, sport yeah, yeah no, no, my kids did all their sports and my oldest still still involved in, in um, hockey so I <laughs> just go and watch sport mm. do you do any way how do you keep fit or just still not can... oh yeah no I, I, I still do go to the Home gym. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, every now and then, yeah. Because I heard the, the biggest determiner of longevity is like exercise. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and I must admit, you know, as you, as you get older, the, the, the muscles and the tendons get a bit uh, bit harder to to move just in regards to all, all the things that you've done in the past. Yeah, do, so. do, have you learned like w- things that you've learned now that you're older about that you wish you did back then, whether it's like stretching, whether it's um, having a s- process for exercise? Um, no, I, 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 I was – more active back then obviously you, 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 when you're doing your training all the time you're, you're always stretching you're always going to the gym you know weights but I was you know I was quite a school tall skinny lad um, I was always found it hard to put on size oh interesting yeah yeah I was um, to be honest it's not until the last what maybe 20 years that I've actually <laughs> put on a little bit of size <laughs> um, other than that I was yeah it was very, very hard. Eat what I wanted to do. You know, one of those people that you could eat and eat and nothing would happen. But then yeah. like, you get to your sort of late 30s and it all changes. Yeah. <laughs> especially yeah. you stop exercising, you stop doing all the, all the running and all the other bits and pieces. Well, I put on um, 20 kilos in the last five years. Mm. And it was purely because uh, I was doing less than 1,000 steps. Right. So I was just hustling and I wasn't moving. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck, that's not yeah. good. So now I've started walking and I've lost 11 kilos. Oh, okay. Walking yeah, and exercising 10 minutes every day. Yeah. It's not fucking, yeah. it's crazy how little it takes to. Oh, true, true. And I, I you know, while back I got a Fitbit and obviously doing the walks, you do your 10,000 steps you're supposed to do each each day and so forth. I was doing that, but, you know, when you enjoy life a little bit more, you know, you, you've got to do more. <laughs> you do. Yeah, I'll come <laughs> to, to that to stage. Be, eh? You're to burn it off, yeah. Hmm. So... So, what was there any sport that you like really got stuck into? Like the decathlon was that your main sport, or what was your? Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, as I said, in winter I did, did football and did did all the way up to what sixteen, seventeen. Did play first eleven, um, oh, and at the same out. and at the same time, then um, did athletics. I had to make a choice. Obviously, as soon as you get high school, when you're sort of in your sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, you've got to then start to think about where you wanna wanna be. Um, and um, yeah, I ended up going just focusing a bit more on my athletics. Um, I enjoyed the athletics, you know. I master of many, <laughs> but not an expert of, of any of them. <laughs> hmm. So, or the other way around, um, I could do, I could be competitive in most of the events, hmm. but I was never sort of good enough to be sort of that one, two, three. I was always four, five, six. All <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> so then I added them all together, and then um, yeah, I did, I did better. Yeah, go on then. Yeah, I know so. you're humble fuck, but no. What, 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 what? No, no, happened? no. I was, again, I was, I, yeah, so I probably second, third, fourth, 
depending on what the competition huh. was. And know, reps and, or in school? Or? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, did did all the reps for the oh, did for, you for, for um for soccer and I did basketball as well and basketball. Yeah, what athletics. position? Shooting guard? No, nah, no, I was a forward. You're um, a forward. Yeah, well, I was. But you were small and skinny. No, huh? I was tall and skinny. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was, I was almost, yeah, six foot when I when I, what, intermediate third form. Jeez. Yeah, I was taller than most. You're of the, six foot at yeah, intermediate. Yeah, most, most of the. Um, I did all my growth yeah early on, and then I stopped, and everybody else caught up. <laughs> so um, yeah, I was I was probably close to six foot intermediate, and I was, I was a forward. You know, I was huh. forward at high school. Yeah, I played since I was seven. I was. Under fifty kilos until seventeen. Oh, okay. Yeah, five foot six. Yeah. Um. So basketball wasn't my calling. Yeah. I fucking loved it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did. I, it was only um, high school that I picked it up because it was one of the activities you you did, and they played it on a Friday night. So you know, I was trained sort of what a Tuesday, Thursday, and and the game was on a on a Friday, and mm. so that was cool. And then I had my football, which was on a Saturday, and and then athletics was the same with the weekends when come summer. So. Does, does it get hard as like you get older and you, that camaraderie? I feel like men almost need an outlet for aggression, which sounds a little fucked up, but like competitiveness, you know? Um, yeah, I think to a point. But as I said, I think it's just a camaraderie. You know, camaraderie. It's, always, it's always good to be in a group of guys and, you know, you're playing, you're training, you're always talking and do things. Because, again, you know, I, I found that was the only way that I intermingled my team sports. You know, mm. academically, as I said, I wasn't that flash, so therefore I didn't really want to do too much. But sport was my outlet. And, and you, you talked off here about being introverted. Hmm. Sales isn't usually the calling for an introvert. No, it's not. <laughs> how, how have you? Because I, I you, people used to petrify me. Yeah. Um, I've gotten a lot better at it. That's why I did commission only sales. So yep. get rejected by hundreds of people a yep. day and talk to forty. Yep. You sort of learn. What, what has been helpful for you in facing the fear? Um, my wife, because like oh, I, yeah. I only started, um, like I was employed with a bank effectively oh. initially. Um, well, started off left school, finished instructor <laughs> against mm. my sporting background, mm. and then then from there I um, got into interviewed for a for a bank. Um, me and my wife at that time, and she was working for the bank, and um, they were going through some changes. Um, so I went and interviewed, and, and um, in fact, it was with the the branch manager at the time, <laughs> and he sort of you know they were looking for you know I guess some additional people to to get in there on the lending side of things, and um, yeah, I got on well with him and he got me a role in the bank and then, hey presto, that's where I was and I was there for, what, nine years? Right. So I didn't have to do any sales there, effectively. People just came to me, so as they do with the bank. So that was cool, but then it wasn't until I sort of um, got to a position, um, lending branch manager mobiles, and then I thought, oh, well, I'd look to go out on my own. And there was a couple of other branch managers at the same time as me. They all went out into brokering. And sort of encouraged me to, to do the same thing. And I thought, oh, yeah. And that's when I really got into, I guess you could say, sales because left the bank, left people coming to me, and then I had to go out find them. and find them. <laughs> um, and then um, part of our connection was with the Ray White group and um, mm, open homes and, and phoning people up. And, yeah, and I had my, my wife there was helping to make phone calls as well just to get interviews, opportunities and so forth. Jeez. Uh, so cold calling people that yeah. went to open homes or just yeah. cold calling? No, them? open homes. Generally went to open homes. So I'd go I'd go there myself, hand out my cards or take Oof. some numbers and then um, shaking in the corner. Shaking in the corner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just introduce that was that was all a new yeah. I hate going to events. I just sit in the corner and look for the stragglers, like yep. the awkward one on their own. I'm like, oh hey, yeah. 
yeah. gets me going. Yeah, well, when there was one or two, it wasn't quite so bad. But if there was a, it was quite busy and there was five, six, seven, eight, a dozen people, then they, oh, you know, oh, yeah, but but standoffish and <laughs> sit back and waiting for people. Or the or the agents were pretty good at time as well and just sort of introduce me and whatever. Hmm. So you just you, you turn up to these open homes, have yeah. cards and just hand them. Yeah. Say, hey, when you're ready to buy a house, yeah. I've got the mortgage. Yeah, yeah. Is know. that it? Yep, pretty much it. Jesus. Yep. And then you'd call them or how did you? Yeah, you'd, you'd call them, have a bit of a chat and sort of get, I guess, that rapport. Um, and I said, yeah, keen and, and go and then go and see them. Um, and then, um, yeah, sit down and go through all the rigmarole <laughs> applications and details. Mm. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, because I remember, so the first time, I had to do the, like face my fear and yep. go and stop someone. We had to stop them in a shopping center. Yep. And I went to stop the guy, and uh, they told you you got to build a relationship. Yep. And I went to shake his hand, but he was holding um, bags. Yes. And I, don't, I was having a meltdown, so I yep. shook his thumb. Yep. And he's like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "I'm oh, trying to build a relationship." <laughs> yeah. And he's like, "Fuck." <laughs> so, what, what have been your, I guess, lessons around being afraid but still doing it? Um, yeah, I guess it's one of those things you just. Realizing there's many others that are out there doing the same thing, so it's either you do it or, or you miss out and somebody else will do it. So, hmm. um, but I was all you know, it was it was still hard and it's still hard now to be honest. Sometimes, yeah. um, you know, if there's people that I know and I get introduced and hey, that's fine, or it's a, a general topic around what I like, which is sport and and mortgages, then hey, that's fine. Anything outside that, yeah, I don't, <laughs> mm. I don't chat too much. Yeah, um, outside of things. Do you, have you learned around the sales, like around the calling? Because I imagine you're more, you know, rapport, try to solve problems. But have you learned sort of tips? Um, yeah, the, the the rapport side of things has always just been empathetic. I think you know everybody's there, and if people are looking for a mortgage for the first time, they don't know what they need to do, or they've been told some information that's not quite right. So it's just a matter of just being honest and upfront. And say, well, this is what I can do. This is what I can <laughs> offer. Um, happy to let you know what you could do at the current stage and if you want to proceed then yeah we go from there so you're quite good at the indifference so yeah. I, I used to um i had to technically understand sales because i didn't know how to act normal yeah that makes sense because i was just so awkward yep. and 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 so like there would be different types of closes so yep. one would be the indifference which is you know i'm not that bothered yep. um that makes it more valuable because why is he not so bothered does he yep. have so many people or assumptive would be like you know, you are just leading them that direction. Yep. Or optional is where they feel in control, but you're giving them options. Right. It's actually a, a hidden assumptive in a way. Yep. Like is early, as morning or afternoon better for you? You know what I mean? Yep. So that you, you want to align with those things. But when you called someone, did you ever think about like saying their first name versus saying their whole name? Did you ever think about like tonality or you just were oh, a guy that no, called? I, I would just sort of call and just use your first name. I, it was just basically trying to, Get the call and get somebody to say yes. Happy to happy to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, like, no, I get it. So empathetic and genuine. <laughs> yeah, it's kind yeah. of your. It is. Care about them. It is, and I think anybody you know, if you can show a bit of bit of care and a bit of empathy, then then people sort of open up to you. As long mm. as they know that you're there to help them out, then that's fine. Um, yeah, but it, it is it is tough because obviously even those people you look at selling at the malls, they're standing there and holding things out. You know, they have a little whether a makeup or whatever else, and say, "Oh, yeah, can you try this? Try this? Try this? Have you tried this?" And and you think, "Oh no, I'm I'm good, thanks." You don't need the makeup. No, you don't need you're the makeup. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I need a whole pile, but not that. <laughs> but yeah, imagine if you turn up in makeup. If you're in drag, I wouldn't judge you. <laughs> It'd be good content. Yeah. Wouldn't it? 
No, you would, yeah, but it'd be probably different than another story out there. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, true. Uh, yeah, there'd be a bit of hate. Yeah, social media, mm. the rest of it. So you're cancelled now. You can't, you can't say that. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what do you think? Because I used to think about why, why do I tend to be more afraid of people than other people? It seems, but they, it seems we were all pretty scared. But what do you think? Has led to you feeling introverted, you know? Was um, oh, yeah, it's, it's just all, I guess, comes back down to everybody, you know, don't, nobody likes rejection. Um, and, and when things are going well, and if, you know, personally, to be honest, school wasn't also the, the best of places for me. And uh, they it was, pick on you. It was pretty tough, yeah. It was pretty tough there. Um, but um, what, teachers yeah. or students? Or? Um, oh, I think myself, to be honest. You know, and, and kids can be cruel, especially if the things, are, you know, questions are asked and you don't know. Seems to be quite basic, and 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 you get a bit disappointed. Oh, that. about the intelligence. Yeah, thing the intelligence and... side of things, and you you sort of knock yourself back a little bit. So, um, did you yeah. did you recognise what like it was your style of learning? Because you know, if you can no retain... no like I to be honest, I've got I've got dyslexia, uh, uh, and, yeah. and my kids have all got it as well. Poor bugger, um, yeah. And um, but the, but saying that that you know they've all done extremely well. They all went to seventh form. They got through seventh form, hmm. year thirteen. So they and I take my hat off to them. They they've done, yeah, they did really well. Um, but but obviously back in my day, to be honest, no dyslexia, support. no, but there was no support in dyslexia. You know, just n- something that wasn't wasn't looked at. So they mm. they would just tell everyone would be like, oh, you're an idiot because you kept trying to stutter through some words and pretty, didn't understand them. Pretty and, much spelling, yeah, yeah. You're always in when they're doing the groups that to begin with. You know, you're always in the bottom groups and you're always, you know, <laughs> and they give you shit. Yeah, yeah, you get a bit of, a bit of stick. So which teaches yeah. you not to communicate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you know, bottle up in your bit, bit of yourself, and that's <laughs> why you know you do what you do when you find something that you're sort of okay at, and other people think, oh yeah, cool, he's doing that. You know, he's done really well. Then you. Focus and do a bit more of that. What are your thoughts on situational confidence versus core confidence? I see situational confidence as you have a competency in an arena. Yep. Did you find it helps you in other areas, or how have you not divided your identity just on your sporting? Oh, crikey. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I haven't done that. I, like, everything was around my confidence was around my sport, which is why I always did my sport. Mm. If I had to, a choice of, you know, going to training or doing something or doing homework or whatever, I'd always do sport, hmm. you know, and that's that's where I was, and I guess I guess my identity early on. Um, was, was there a turning point, was, like, like because um, you, you had to give it up? Yeah, the, the, yeah, I had to give it up. When I got older, I got to a point where you know I, I always thought I, I was going to go to the Olympics and all other do other bits, bits and pieces, oh, yeah. um, and and I trained and and competed with guys that did. Um, and I just looked and said, yeah, I'm not going to be putting in the, the work that I, I need to do or I'm not going to – I don't have the ability to get to that next level. So then, yeah, looked at other other things to do. Still keep the sports sort of game on a bit of a social light. But then, um, yeah, had to do a bit more. Left school, obviously, and then looking for jobs. I had to think about where I want to be because I never, I never really did that at that particular yeah. time. So it wasn't until when I did get into the banking industry then, um, yeah – it just seemed – it was processed, so I didn't have to, you know, do a lot of stuff other than just look at the processes, work through the processes, hey, presto, <laughs> you're away. It would be pretty, like – I remember times when I used to have to look for jobs, like retail yeah. and shit, and I was just like – it was just soul destroy. I worked at a place called Abra Kebabra. Oh, yeah. Where the magic happens, magic yep. kebabs. Yep. You work from, like, 5 p.m. to, yep. like, 4 a.m. Yep. 
And I was like, is this all I can get? You know, I don't have qualifications. Yep. Like, uh, what, do, what do I even want to do? Like, did you have that existential crisis in a way where you just lost your sport? You're like, fuck, what am I going to do? Yeah, I, I did because even when I, when I got into the health and fitness industry back then, you didn't need to be qualified. But mm. my sporting background gave me sort of, you could say, the expertise of what I was doing. Hmm. So that was my sort of in. And then um, it went through because that was, must have been in what are the 80s, 90s. And then there was a, you know, health and fitness had a bit of a downturn mm. um, and there was a lot of closures and so forth. People weren't doing things. And um, so I ended up, um, I guess I'm coming back in the thing in regards to my income. I think I was only on like $8.40 and I was like an assistant manager <laughs> at the time. Wow, and you baller. think, yeah, you just think, wow, you know, back then, cheapest. Um, you could buy a house for that. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, oh, yeah, so I needed to look at other opportunities. And as I said, at the time with, with my girlfriend, she was working with the bank at the time and, um, yeah, an opportunity came up. So, <laughs> so you yeah. test a lot of your confidence and growth to her, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do. I do. She's... Um, she's, she's Helped me out a lot. How did you pull it off? Where would you see it? Good question. I don't know. You sit in the know. corner <laughs> with your cards. <laughs> yeah, no. It was uh, some friends, and we went went clubbing as you did back then. And um, yeah, caught up at the nightclub and. Yeah, oh, you opened it. You said hello. You're yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. Was it now? Well, you were nearby. Friend, her friend, yeah. Yeah. Her friend sort of introduced. Um, to the, or her friend knew my friend <laughs> that I was there with. Bob, you're away. Bob, you're away. Yeah, so there you go. God, how so. daunting. Like, you see a girl that you think's beautiful and you want to talk yeah. to her, and she's oh. like over there. I right? know. Yeah, well, it was, it was way back. It was interesting because it was back in Manukau and Coliseum, and I was actually upstairs. So I had a area and yeah upstairs where you can look down onto the dance oh, floor or so no 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 it wasn't a VIP. Um, but yeah, just and then, then they, they, the two friends. Friends, I was with and friends, and they spotted each other, and then yeah, went down. And did you have a meltdown yeah. like when you're talking to you? I'm um, yeah, your usual thing, <laughs> you, you just wrap it on about nothing. <laughs> oh my god, quiet. She's talking to me. So, 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 there, then you go quiet and yeah, <laughs> and then in the car park, and then the friend, we we're going to ask for a number, and I said, Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, geez, that friend, so, yeah. surely he's in your good books forever. Yeah, right? crikey. <laughs> so, yeah, all happened there until what, 30 or 33 years ago. Yeah, they've been together that long. Yeah, yeah, we've we've just had our um, 30th wedding anniversary, so. Jesus. Mm. How old are you, mate? You're old, (laughs) Jesus. No, we don't ask that. Yeah, Yeah. but personal. I'm in my 50s. You're in your 50s, Um, yeah. All right. What what do you, because there's a lot of people that don't have relationships that long. Mm. Do do you think you've found things that are helpful just for you guys in terms of like a ritual of catching up or, you know, a community, always have a... um, Cohesive front. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we, um, you know, <laughs> I guess just mutual respect for one another, and, and um, hmm. you know, we were also sort of faith based as well. So, um, hmm. yeah, we, we just, you know, we've definitely been through our ups and downs. Yeah, as, as, as well, to be honest. Um, and it's, um, yeah, I, I guess we look at it in regards to, you know, our, our faith and just, you know, our mutual respect and love for one another. That's, um, yeah, respect is interesting. Yeah, 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 you do, and and you know these things that you do that you you regret, um, you know, business and so forth, and decisions you make, and you know it doesn't always go go right, um, and, and you beat yourself up, but the other person sort of stands by you. Um, yeah. I think that's real true love when you, yeah. That's interesting because yeah. I mean. You know, you, you sort of hear love described as infatuation and mm. romance mm. that dies eventually, mm. and the ones that seem to last, there's that respect. Yeah. 
And you, yeah. then you see those, you know, loveless marriages for years where they resent mm. each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, you still gotta have that um that that respect and but still love, you know, we we, we still go out when we can and mm. so forth. As I said, we've had four kids, so we've um, yeah. it's been pretty busy for us over that period of time and, and we, we focused them in sport as well. It was their sort of thing as well. So um, you know, trainings during the week, you know, weekend sports, driving around four different kids. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's pretty, pretty, pretty busy life for us originally. So mm. how, how, how do you make that? I'm just pushing this button. How much, like, I know I'm staying on this and we'll, we'll talk about loans and whatnot, <laughs> but it's just, you know, this is, that's a rare thing. And it's not saying that it was perfect mm. and it was easy. With the juggling of family and also with love, mm. you know, with romance or so, how do you, either find time or navigate that or do you, do you create boundaries with your kids like you can't do this so we can have time for each other um, yeah well we, we were both very very family orientated so basically we did everything with our kids for our kids hmm. so um, um, even now like you know she'll wife will say I'm just going to shoot down the shops and I'll just say well we'll come with you <laughs> mm. jump in the car and we'll just drive down the shops so just you know it's um yeah, just always want to, you know, I guess, be with her and so forth, and likewise. So, yeah. So you just use every moments that come. Yeah, yeah. Because there's not many. No, no. Make 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 the most of it. Yeah, we're we're going to go on our. We didn't really do much for our our thirtieth, but we're um we're heading. We're going to do a European trip for, oh, the, yeah. for six weeks, beginning of next year. So cool. Yeah, it's our sort of big big trip together. Have, have you, on the fatherhood side of things, is, you know, I imagine I don't have kids or a partner, just FYI, that's what I'm learning <laughs> <Yeah>. from you, <laughs> is, uh, you know, I would feel a, a fear of not having the respect or pride of my children, you know, like I'm not a man that they would be proud of or the expectation or doing something wrong. Yeah, what? yeah, that, that's, that's sort of, I guess, another thing being introverted in regards to my, my business side of things, I've always tried to um, be there my kids and I guess being self-employed did give me a bit of freedom that I could do what I wanted mm. when I wanted and um, and the business sort of it, it ticked over it did, it did okay um, but it meant that I could spend basically all the trips at schools primary schools intermediate high schools trips away you know sports events mm. I was I was always there um, and my wife was as well. And in fact, it got to the point that obviously, if something came up, the school would ring us. Hey, are you available? Da, 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 da. Yep, sure, we'll do that. Hmm. Um, just uh, just to make sure that um, the kids already knew that we we're always always here for them. What do you mm-hmm. think is important about life? Because I'm learning more. Like I'm similar. I work a lot because I love it. Mm-hmm. But then, if there's key moments where important people in my life are going through something, or we want to have a moment where we're just eating breakfast together. Yep. And I'm going to work at two. I might work till midnight, but <laughs> what? Are, yeah, what do you think is important in life that you've learned over the years and oh, what I, you used to think it was? Yeah, no, I think a good good balance, um, but also sacrifices. Like I know, I know, even with the times that I spent with my kids, you know, I in a way I sacrificed my work because I I would beat myself up and think, I oh, really I should be mm. doing doing some work and getting some business on board. Um, but my, you know, I always put my kids first, to be honest. <laughs> mm. So, um, and yet I, I know a lot of business owners and so forth that, you know, very successful ones. But then that's that was their life for, you know, a good 10 years, just absolutely working and, you know. What is success? 
yeah, well, that is, that's it. And, and you just come back to family life and so forth as well. And I guess I, I like to think that my, my kids know that no matter what happens, we're always we're always there and nothing's more important than when they are. So It's beautiful, mate. You're not a sentimental man, <laughs> oh, but you're Jesus. fucking throwing it out no, there, aren't you? You don't want to say the words, but oh, they're coming out. Yeah, I am. I'll start, I'll start to cry soon. <laughs> yeah, I feel free. There's only been one podcast that's been oh, deleted, not Jesus. by me. <laughs> Because that's how I normally talk with people is I understand like deep shit about them, but then what mm. happens is they share too much and mm. then they're like, oh, I don't want to post it. I'm like, okay, well, yeah. I won't do that. So, <laughs> yeah. So mm. what what was your, your first moment you say, but how long has it been running now? Uh, being self-employed? Um, yeah, it would be 20, 22 years. Oh, well, that, you know, so, you're in the top um, 1% of businesses because you didn't fail. Yeah, well, that's it. But, um, yeah, it's been through some some hard times, though. Um, obviously, the financial markets, you know, 2008 and <laughs> COVID and all the other bits and pieces that go through and, and all the regulatory changes over the years. You know, at times you think, oh, my goodness, can I can I do this? Yeah. Um, do I want to do this? Well, because you, you talked about, you know, feeling stupid and getting rejected and then mm. also this chip on your shoulder around, you know, getting yourself worth from like uh, sport. Yep. So you can, and then you, you had this family first, <laughs> oh, I'm a failure at business or yeah. I'm doing real good and just, that's, that's a shit show, man. Yeah, a, yeah. What, what was your, when you first started, What so you started handing out cards and what, yep. what, what went through your mind of like, oh my God, I'm going to do this, oh my God, also... I don't want to get. I don't want to fail. Yeah, well, it was it was it was a big call because when we um, when I left the left the bank, I used my super obviously to to cover our cost uh, <laughs> to get going. So um, it was it was a good good six months to be honest to 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 get the business sort of cranking up. What first um, sale in six months? Because that's not um, uncommon. No, it was no. It was um, I had a <laughs> I had a lot of contacts through the bank, so oh, okay, I, okay. I kept those contacts and I, I utilised them. Um, to keep us going to, to begin with. So Jesus. I had, had a lot of stuff sort of happening at that particular time, but obviously needed to, that was only one stream. Um, yeah, but then family mortgage to, or anything? Yeah, or ma- family and friends and so forth. Um, no, I mean, like, was your financial, did you, you have your, your girlfriend there, obviously 30 years, your uh, wife now? Yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah. She, she originally was with, with the bank, so she helped out. And she okay. actually, in, those, in those days, she was she worked in the, um, the international department. And even mm-hmm. now, you, you can't even buy any foreign cash or anything from the from the banks. <laughs> You've got to go to those exchanges places now. But um, yeah, she she was um, that's where she specialised in. And um, but she was a you know she was a go getter. That what really really attracted me to her as well. She was so you know, confident and oh, opposite nice. to what I was. We <laughs> say to opposite this. attract. Yeah, they do. <laughs> so um, yeah, so in the early days, so you know, going to the open homes and having the, the open home register list, you know, to phone a few clients up to see if they wanted to, to borrow and, and she would, yeah, happily make those phone calls oh, shit. Um, for me. So she she made a, a whole pile of phone calls on my behalf. Jeez, you must be um, good at chat, in, so. <laughs> I, Well, no, was, I was just wanting to get in and help out. I, it was all the, you know, getting that connection going and, and, wow. and it, you know, the rejection, because there was a lot, you know, yeah. like anything, you know, when you go through open homes, yeah, 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 no, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just, yeah, kept going and getting a system in place. And once you got a few and, and then you got a couple of referrals on, which was which was good referrals from other clients, mm. um, that's always a, a big plus. Rejection's a special thing. Yeah, it is, it is. It's, it's you know, yeah, you've got those that sort of water off a duck's back and others that sort of, yeah, take it a bit more to heart. 
Yeah. That's, 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 that's what I did. And I still do that every now and then. I think, oh, what did I do wrong? What have I done? Mm. And I'll sort of beat myself up at times for negative stuff. But then you just look back and just said, you know, the amount of people that I have been able to help and um, the positive stuff, then, yeah. Well, there's something I'm learning about now. So I have clients as insurance brokers at the moment. Mm. And I, I didn't really get insurance. I thought it was bullshit if I was honest. And mm. then um, they keep telling me about these claims. And I'm like, yeah. oh, my God. Like, yeah. And then I was... I was talking to someone the other day. He had heart failure. His wife is dying of cancer and yeah. he's got kids that are young. Yep. And there's no one to look after them. And yep. their m- mother-in-law came from another country mm. and she was meant to look after them, but she doesn't know if she can stay because of visa stuff. Yeah. So, And they're just financially ruined. Yeah. And you, you don't and, – and I think that's – I think the best salespeople are the ones that care more about the person cares about themselves. It is, and they, they promote the stories. Like I, I did do insurances as well. Oh, I had yeah. insurances through the, the bank, and I, I did them a little bit before it became even more regulated. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, I, I had – there was a couple of – one lady particularly that, that um, yeah, basically I, I did her mortgage, then went through the insurance side of things, Um and she wasn't going to take it to begin with, you know. She had a, her grandmother was was in her nineties and her mum was in her seventies, and and she was and they had no family history of anything whatsoever. And um, but I said, well, you know, at that time the cost was pretty minimal, um, so we did. We just took out a little bit of life insurance and and a bit of trauma. Um, and then within six months of her taking out the policy, she got diagnosed with breast cancer. You know, and. Mm. Um, yeah, she she got a payout. Half her mortgage was was cleared from it, um, and I look at that in regards to you know I've been at the right place at the right time and being able to help out. Mm. But but these stories like that, and that's what they use at the end of the day. You know, it, you, you always live in your own bubble. Like if there's nothing that happens around you or your family, then you don't yeah. think about the worst things. Mm. But if you you know you've got family members or really close friends that have suffered things, then you use those and you're grateful that it is there. Yeah, so it's crazy. It is, it is. You know, and I, early on, to be honest, I was, we were all pretty fine and I I lived in my own little bubble. You know, you, you, sometimes a lot of, you know, Kiwis, you know, that's fine, she'll be right, she'll be right, she'll be right. Mm. But then it gets to that point where suddenly it's not right. What happens, where do you go from there? So, um, yeah, it's just... Well, things. There's um, so the the clients have on average three hundred to a thousand clients yep. in the insurance space, and they're they're all telling me about stories, which is crazy. Yeah. Just it's just such a small sample size, yeah. like twenty seven yeah. cervical cancer mm. or flew off into they killed themselves by crashing a plane to yep. the ocean. Mm. It's like the like it, I think that's kind of the fallacy of life, eh? So you just think you're not going to die. Yeah, it, it is, and you don't get the um, like we only see the, the insurance companies put out these figures in mm. regards to the amount of claims and things that they've gone through, and you look at them and you think, holy moly! You know they make a lot of money, they really do, but then they mm. also do spend quite a lot of money as well. And um, health insurance now is just it's just so expensive. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you've got it and you can shoot straight through, see your specialist and all the rest of it, then, hey, that's that's great. You know, if you don't have it, then you're waiting on the public system. And we all know what the public system's like at the moment. It's just, it's dire. 
So it's just, yeah, it's it's one of those things. Again, if you're in the industry, you, you see all this information, you have all this stuff, and you're trying to put it out there. Mm. But if you're a person that's in your own little bubble that there's been no issues, I don't, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm good, mm. then you just don't worry about it. Um, and they think you're just chasing yeah, commission. Yeah, like, dude, yeah, like, yeah. if it's you, you're cooked. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and, and the hard thing with our insurance is, and I, you know, talking to a few others, you know, it's really cheap when you first start out mm. and you don't really need it. You know, you're, you're, you know, I, I remember when I was um, working for, at, for the health and fitness industry and, and there was a guy, as soon as I turned 18, bang, he was on my, he was calling me every second day to say, hey, you should have, uh, and he was sort of through family, family, sort of friend, you should have insurances, should have insurances. And I'm thinking, I'm 18, I got nothing to go, <laughs> I don't need any mm. insurances as such. Um, but yeah, as you, as you get older and, and when it becomes more important, then it becomes way more expensive. And, and um, yeah, you, you've got that with everything else as well. Well, it, a lot of my time is because I, I call the leads that I get for them through Facebook and yep. um, a lot of them don't qualify Yep, and some do. Yep. But it's more I'm telling the ones that need it, no, because yep. they can't. Yep. It's, it's crazy, yeah. Do, do you yeah. do just mortgages or do you do insurance I, still as well? I started, I started off with just doing mortgages and, oh, then, yeah. and then I went from mortgages to insurances. Yeah. So yeah. I did them both. Um, and then, then the regulatory requirements, it, it just took up more time. Like doing insurances was, was quite heavy, you know, in oh, regards to making sure, you know, you're giving the right advice, mm. the, the type of cover they want, is it going to be sufficient? Um and always, you know, you'd always quote the high end. You know, you'd always say, ultimately, if you can afford it, this is what you need to have. Mm. Um, and it covers everything. But but realistically, to be honest, and cost-wise, it, it's it's hard to do that. So then it's just then scaling back and say, okay, well, what, where's your budget is? This is these things that you should have. Um, and go from there. You can, you know, you can always cover, reduce the amounts, or reduce your your excesses and, and the time, so forth as well. But as I said, generally when you're first selling to somebody young, a first home buyer, mm. and they're only in their you know mid twenties or late twenties, then then insurance is pretty cheap for what it is. You know, you you know you can get full cover for probably about 120, 130 bucks back then um, but as you, obviously as the time goes by the years go by that, that 120, 130 that you started off with is now 250, 300 bucks 400 dollars a month on top of your other so you're having to prioritise yeah, mm. where you're at but then you think can I afford not to have it but then can I afford to have it <laughs> yeah oh, it's <laughs> so, a balance yeah, so, it, so it is so yeah so it's and trying to convince people you know to have something that they don't think they need mm. Yeah, it's, it's pretty hard. <laughs> and then resent you for and paying then, it every year. Yeah, resent you to do it. And then you get a lot of complaints in regards. Obviously, you sold me that I didn't. It wasn't quite what I wanted, or it doesn't cover a particular condition that I had. So therefore, you made have had a wrong product. Um, <laughs> so it's just yeah, it, it's it's definitely um, yeah an interesting field. Mortgages are a lot straightforward. Not yeah, more, you know, you application. Your, yeah, application. You want your mortgage. This is what you can borrow. This is what your repayments are going to be. This is how you should structure it. Um, and yeah, it, it seems like a hard business model. You know what I mean? Mortgages. Yeah, it is. Like you, yeah. you, you're a perpetual hunter. Yeah. Always, always, and that's and that's why I guess you know I, I get a buzz for the approvals, and I get a buzz from existing clients that are referred on because then that shows that you did a good job, did, did a good job and they appreciate it. So, um, 
Yeah, and it's a you know it's the biggest purchase anybody makes buying your own home. Yeah, it's you know, crazy. It's a huge debt nowadays. You watch the average, I think, something like five hundred and thirty-eight, five hundred and sixty thousand mortgage, just for a first home buyer to begin with. So, well, I was um, so I used to be an investment advisor. I deregistered recently and just given my clients over to my business associate, right. and um, I was talking to this couple, really good incomes. They're going to be debt free at sixty-five, and they're yep. in their early twenties. Yep. yep. <laughs> And like they're like in the top one percent of earners, and <laughs> yep. I'm like, that's fuck. Yeah, yeah. So, w- w- I'm just curious with mortgages. Like, what's the what's been the most successful acquisition channels? Like, is it partnerships? Is it existing client bases? Like, what what do you what do you do in your day to day? Yeah, very much. Uh, I think with with your existing database. Yeah. You know, you've you know over the years you've built up you know a good database here, and it's just a matter of just making sure that you keep in contact. Again, I don't. Uh, our background um, with our IT, they send out newsletters every month and so forth, just touching base. And if you've got any questions, and always look reviewing. Um, mortgages is also one of those things that people just tick along. Um, you got your rates. It's not until your rates mature <laughs> that you then actually start looking at other options. Mm. Um, but even then, you know, other banks' rates are pretty much the same. You know, within 0.05, 0.1 of each other. Um, so I guess it's just making sure you're up front with the with the clients where, where you're at. You've got all your mortgage eliminators, all these processes in regards to trying to reduce your debt within ten years, mm. um, which are great. But but it also still comes back down to financially what you can do. Because mm. I still look at it at the end of the day, you've got X amount of income. And of that income, X amount can be utilised for your living costs and so forth. And you got, if you've got kids coming on board and so forth, so your disposable income gets smaller and smaller. So it's just sort of making sure that, okay, even if it's sort of an extra 50 bucks or whatever, it's just putting something aside or putting your mortgage, mortgage to, to reduce it. Um, but everybody's still different. Everybody's yeah. still different. How does it work? So, like you, so you sign someone up, you get this upfront thing, and then you review. But there's not much to review. Like, is it, you just like, hey, get it again, and then the bank rewards you for telling them to get it again. Um, yeah, well, well, yeah. Well, the banks they they do. Uh, well, some of the banks, to be honest, not all. Oh, some okay. banks pay trail. Oh. Um, others don't. It's just Random. not front. So, but they do look in regards to ongoing support. So, you know, for a, for a client, if you do a mortgage, then, you know, you want to provide good support for them as well. So it's obviously just reviewing their, their mortgages each year or two years, just touching base. Um, has things changed? Are you able to put a little bit more funds into your mortgage? Um, or if they've got, you know, kids now and so forth, so they, therefore it's just a matter of trying to get through minimising where they're at. Mm. Um, and it changes within the you know, economic environment. COVID was a prime example. You know, rates went from what seven percent down to two percent. Yeah, then, and then and then so then you're sort of saying to clients, you know, these rates aren't going to be around for a long time, mm. um, forever. So so make the most. So if you can't afford to pay more, or keep your repayments at the same level, then you're better off because you pay more principal to to reduce them. But of course, like now, cheap as everybody's, I'm getting still getting calls from those from three and a half now jumping up to up to seven. And it's you know it's a big big impact. Yeah, what's your take on that about us being in a recession? Like you know, from a property standpoint, what are you? Because they're all coming off their fixed mortgages sooner. Yeah, yeah. There's another big lot over the next six months that are, and that's that's obviously looking to play in regards to well inflation, 
um, which is just a manner of trying to keep people to stop spending, really. <laughs> stop spending so that uh, get things under control. Um, and then, yeah, from there, I, I, it's one of those things. You look at the years, the market's up and down, up and down all the time. You know, we've gone from 5% to 6 to 7 appearance in the 20s. You know, there's, there's always, it's just a matter of making sure that you're in a position at this particular time and be aware where things could go in the in the future. Do um, you do anything around city expectation? Because I would, um, like I looked over the history of mortgages and, yeah. you know, it got up to 9 or 11% quite yep. recently, you yep. know, in the last decade or so. Yep. And it averaged out quite high and people yep. coming in with this mindset of 3%. I'm like, nah, yeah. let's plan for 7 Yeah. So yeah. well, how do you manage expectations of clients or what are you, the process you go through? Um, well, it, it is a difficult one because nobody knows what they're, you know, everybody's carried their crystal ball around yeah. where, they're, where they're at. Um, but you can only look in regards to the where what's coming out from the Reserve Bank, the economists, where they see things are at. Because um, there's always changes, and I, even now I just sort of say, you know, with the with the unfortunate wars that are going on, you know, mm. Israel and so forth, and, and still in, with Russia and so forth, you know, they're, they're still gobbling up a lot of fuel and other, you know, expenses, you know, grain, you know, and these all are flow on to us. So nobody knows what's going to happen in the six months' time. Yeah, it's 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 tough, but it's just making sure that um, um, the clients are aware that this is what you know, this is what the cost is going to be. And then you can say, well, if there's a 2% increase in the interest rate, well, this is where your rate payments are going to then go to. So you can preempt, but you can't guarantee predict. or predict mm. what's going to happen. Um, what do you and, measure on, like 7% or 9 or? Yeah, well, the bank, well, the bank's like the bank's just gone up to 9% for their servicing right now. Um, so it's they, they're picking that it's going to be harder, it's going to go up. But then like a lot of clients I've been talking to, um, I've been sort of saying that the Reserve Bank, you know, they've indicated that 2000, end of 2024, 2025 is when we should be back under control, um, our inflation. And, and as soon as our inflation gets down, well, then the fixed rates should start to drop, the short-term ones. Um, they should start to drop. So you know, New Zealand predominantly a, a one-year, two-year short-term fixing because you just, you just don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> and you don't want to get, lock yourself in long term suddenly to find out that rates have dropped back down and you're stuck and um, there was a period there I think they were yeah in that 2008 when there was uh, what the rates were up at sort of not eight nine percent and then they went down to five and I had clients looking for break costs and they'd locked in for sort of two three years when they were going up thinking oh this is going to get really bad so a couple of clients here you know quotes back from the banks 25 30 35 thousand dollars for break costs if they think oh, you know it's 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 a tough industry, you know. You don't want to lock people in long term only yeah. for things to suddenly change. Can you explain those penalties a little bit? So break costs. So you lock something in for a period of time, and if you break sooner than that expected period of time, there's a yeah. cost, and it varies between banks. Or what's um, the under? yeah, it does it does vary slightly between the the banks, but it, the, the general principle is once you lock in, if you lock in for five years, yeah, then the banks have borrowed the money and they've expected X amount of interest over that five years. So that's their income. You suddenly go and break it and, and you jump onto a lower rate, which is, hey, all very good, but it means that the bank has, still has to pay the money that they've borrowed to give to you back. So they then um, pass that break cost penalty um, onto the clients. Mm-hmm. So it's really the difference between the rate you actually locked in at and the wholesale rate at the time 
you first did it. So if there's <laughs> a difference over one to two to three years, then, yeah. Interesting. It is. It was funny, like way back um, when I was, I was actually with Westpac, and they, um, they used to, if you were in credit, so if you were to break your rate, but you find that the bank's, the rates had gone up, and you could reinvest it, or the bank could reinvest it at a higher rate, they used to give you the, the credit back. Um, they were one of the only banks that did, but then then they stopped. So even though the banks may make a little bit of money off your break costs, you get zero now. You don't get anything. But it's it's hard to get one over the banks. No, you know, no, they win. They win no matter what. Except when it comes <laughs> to compliance, they're, they're, yeah. they're getting fucked. Yeah. It's a lack of video. So what... Yeah. Do you know much about the banking system and like fractional? Was it reserve banking, whatever? It is? is that what it is in New Zealand? Yeah, no, not not. I don't get that deep, and it is it's just the lending. Like you know, the reserve bank still sets the. the yeah, can you explain that? Money. Like you know, the official cash yeah, rate yeah. and and how that impacts banks and. Yeah, well, the, well, that's just the official cash rate is just the the rate that the banks borrow the, their money sort of at, <laughs> and then obviously the the banks put their margins on it. To, to lend that money out to other people. Um, I guess that's the difference between when people look at short-term rates and long-term rates. So in New Zealand, um, we're predominantly um, short-term, one- and two-year fixed terms because um, our economy is small, so our banks generally borrow more offshore and then re-lend it out hmm. um, to others. We, we borrow our money generally from um, America and the UK. Um, Australia's opposite because they're such so big so much bigger than us 80 percent of their mortgages are on floating rate because it's their own economy it's, oh. it's generating it they don't have to borrow as much so their floating rates are actually lower than their fixed rates but in new zealand we borrow a lot more so therefore people want more certainty of what's going to happen so we generally fix Oh, okay. Because our floating rate, because obviously the things change, you know, our floating rate's what, up to nine, nine and a half percent now. So, yeah. So because we're getting all this money from the UK and the US and we need some certainty from our customers, that's why we lean towards the fix. And then Australia's got all this pool of money so they know a bit about what they've got so they can go the floating and roll it up. Yeah. So they they, they, they float a lot more than, yeah, their fix. Is there anything else that impacts those decisions? Because a lot of mortgage brokers I've talked to say, oh, yeah, we don't really want to go beyond three years as a general rule. Yeah, yeah, well, because things change. Things things are always changing up and down. And, and we don't, because as I said, if you lock it in longer than three years and suddenly there is a downturn or, or you know, the markets get better and our rates drop, then you're locked in. Um, I remember going to America. They, they used to have 10-year, they had 10-year, 15-year fixed rates. Um, but their economy's a lot more stronger and a lot more stable. But they were their rates were like still on that time. I think three, four percent. But I think we we used to have that. We used to have a government a government bond rate. Oh um, yeah. I think then you could lock it in basically for the length of your loan. That's crazy. Yeah, but that we're talking about fifty, sixty years ago. On that. Yeah, jeez, um, mate, you're a lending guru, but, right? But, yeah, 56 oh, years. No, well, I, I, I had a couple of friends. I know that they got a, a loan, a housing loan through the government, um, and it was, yeah, locked in rate for the length of their, their mortgage. I mean, if it's low mm. enough, you'd almost, like, if it was like a 1% no-brainer. Oh, 
Yeah, I think I think you really should be thinking anything under five percent. To be honest, you should think about locking long term. You know, if you if you go back history wise, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's, it's yeah because my my sort of time with the with the banks, um, it was generally around seven and a half was the average rate. So anything under seven percent used to be you know a very good rate. The eighties um, were you there for that? Yeah, yeah, through there twenty percent. <laughs> so they, yeah, yeah, they 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 do that, and it was, and then it, it all changed because at the same time, you know, we used to have you know twenty you had to twenty percent deposit, then it went to ninety five. You only had to five percent deposit, and um, that was generally introduced also through the UK because you know I think they were doing a hundred percent at that time because the markets were so strong. You know, they didn't see mm. that much of a fall, and the risk was a lot lighter. Um, but then, of course, as soon as you get a few issues that come through. Then everybody starts saying, "Oh, there's more risks here." So things change, and um, yeah, just the world economy. I remember going to a um, seminar with uh, Bernard Ickey, and he was saying, "I think that was just prior to 2008," and he said that one of the biggest changes in the world economics was the mobile phone, because suddenly you could actually ring international, you could order international, you could do anything you like through this device. And it now it cut off all this other other stuff, you know, things when you go processing, suddenly you could go rather than having to go to a, a shop to buy, I don't know, some some goods from the UK and obviously they would have to order it, they would have to get transported. Now you can just ring up and you can just go online and order whatever you want. My kids are ordering things online from, you know, the UK and all the rest of it and within three or four days here it is, it's it's at the doorstep. Remarkable. You know, you just think, man, you know, technology and the way things have changed. Yeah. And, and also everybody now, everybody wants things now. Nobody wants to wait. If you get to wait, you know, two weeks, three weeks, you know, people jumping up and down and think, oh, what's happened? <laughs> Where are you? It's just, yeah, it's just the way it is. And, and I guess the economy is exactly the same. It's just getting faster and faster. Hmm. You know, nobody wants to wait for anything these days. I asked the advisor just before, like, where they think mortgage brokers going. Because I tried to ask him, and I was a bit harsh to him. I was like, <laughs> what, what, like what, is the, what is the point of a mortgage broker, and why would banks pay them? But I, I get the bank, like, you're qualifying and nurturing yep. a business for them and yep. handling that side of thing, And then you're structuring for the client yep. things that make sense for them, and they feel reassured that you're doing all the stuff. Yep. Where, where do you think it goes? Do you think... Like financial markets, sorry, start worrying about you guys getting paid too much or not enough, or does the model have to change because online applications get better? Or yeah, something? Well, I think that it's always changing. And technology, you're right. You know, there's a, there's a couple of um, now companies that are all online. They don't mm. deal with anything, but you've still got to go through your, you know, your, your processes and show that your due diligence and that you're not getting the putting the client in any financial. Um, bad positions and, and I guess that's what the banks look at because you're taking that away from them because in, in the past it was the banks that would have to do the approvals themselves um, and they would take the responsibility now that goes to the to the broker to make oh, sure really? that, yeah to make sure that the broker's collected all the right information got the right um, ID and um, oh, yeah. and, and processing it correctly so um, what happens if ones, you don't do you get fined yeah then you get fined you can get heavily heavily fined um, in fact, I just read a, an article yesterday of, of, of a broker down the line that's, um, you know, used to see it a, a lot more sort of 20 years ago, but not as much now. We're fortunately, you know, doing documents um, and, um, yeah, using 
for facetious uh, you know names and so forth to get loans for money for themselves. I was talking to mm. someone saying that they went to the graveyard and would get sign people up for life insurance. Uh, yeah, <laughs> crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. your name and a date of birth and so forth. <laughs> well, you got it all, don't you? Yeah, yeah. But that, but that's why you know it's it's one of those things. I think it's world out and that you you systems get in place to to help people, but there's always those others that are trying to get around it, and it's and it's those people then upset Tell the bulk, and, and it becomes tighter because then they've got to try and put more regulations in to make sure that these others don't get scammed and diddled and so forth. Well, I think it's important that it happened. I think a lot of one-man bands that are wanting to hire are yeah. cooked because I think when was it six years ago, yeah. I, I, I could sign up to be a registered financial yeah. advisor. Yeah. Did, paid my levy, it was yeah. like 500 bucks, and then yeah. bomb, I'm off. I'm, yeah. sell, I'm a financial advisor selling funeral insurance. Yep. Yeah. And... Um, there was still a high churn. It was like a well-renumerated role. Yep. Maybe the culture wasn't that good. But they still lost a lot of, lost a lot of people. Now yep. you've got to, to hire someone. They need to have eight months and a qualification and yep. then come in and then you probably pay them 50% of what they might get if they go to the bank or something. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot, lot, lot tougher now. We, were like, we all had to do our level five financial yep. uh, <coughs> qualifications. Um and, but we didn't in the past, but obviously regulations required us to do that. So theoretically, every broker that's there um, is, is qualified to a level five standard. Um, in the past, you know, when I first started, I was just a, a banker. You know, majority of brokers at that time were just ex-bankers, managers and so forth that, that had, had had enough and wanted to do a bit more themselves. So they had the knowledge that was there, but in those days, you know, qualifications or I guess you could say, you know, the the respect of the industry type thing, you know, wasn't wasn't there. But now it's yeah, it's a lot tighter and they're making sure that those that are working in the industry um are actually respected and they've qualified and they know what they're doing. It'll be interesting yeah. to see how that plays out if it changes public mm. perception because mm. I don't know if it necessarily increases the competency. Like uh, I talk to a lot of advisors and yep. I I don't know much about mortgages, but I know a lot about the investment yep. side because that's yep. what I did. Yep. And their advice and sales process, I'm still like, you didn't you didn't read the paper properly. Yeah. That's not how they taught you to do it. Yep. So I wonder if it changes public perception. Do you think it would improve? Because, I mean, the way I used to sell, like I didn't know nothing. I was just tell, reading a script. Yeah, Yeah. well, no, it, it, it does. Like we, we've got our six-step process that you've got to go through um, to make sure you collect the right information mm. and, and, and everything's got to be recorded now as well. So And that, that takes all time as well so every all your conversations and so forth has to be noted down um so if they come back to you because we we find that everything's pretty much you know it's all good with the clients the, the hard thing is that when when there's a change in rates you know that that's when there's a lot of can be complaints you know people might say well hang on you told me to lock into here and now the rates have gone all the way down here if i break out it's going to cost me x amount and and but you can only do what you're doing at the time as I said, you know, mm. you don't have a crystal ball, you don't know what you're going to do, but it's just trying to make sure that you can do the best by your client at that time. Um, and I guess that's, you know, the, that introduction of the triple CFA, you know, which everybody's been going on the last two years about as well. And that was supposed to help, you know, those those people going to the, the loan shark shops for those quick, short little deals and so forth pay to get loans. them over time, pay in. And, and, you know, but that affected Everybody else, even those that were doing standard, or you go, you could say regular, regulator, regulatory lending, that were monitored by the by the banks and by you know they got caught up in it all as well. 
um, because really once you go through the, the process and you confirm everything, because at the end of the day, you still got to confirm your incomes. you still got to confirm your deposit mm. and you still got to confirm that you've got a good banking, you know, transactional history. If those things are all good, then, hey, you know, it's fine. It's when they're not good that people start, you know, altering things, changing statements or doing things that they shouldn't be doing to... Yeah, to get things passed, and I know there was a lot when when things got tight back in two thousand and eight and so forth, and and the banks stopped lending; they they closed up just to hold on to the money and, and reduce uh-huh. until the environment got better. Um, so you couldn't even sell anything if you wanted. Yeah, to. yeah, well, you, you could, but it was only for the very, very good. You know, uh-huh. anything that was borderline was 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 pretty tough. Jeez. Yeah. So, but you know, the the banks are the gatekeepers to the financial markets at the end of the day they mm. when they want money they'll open up their policies and when they want, don't then they close mm. the policies and we still got that now with the first home buyers you know lending over over 80 percent so those that are borrowing sort of 90 percent um you know the, the reserve banks requirements now have gone from 10 percent so the banks used to only be able to lend 10 percent of their book value um and it's now increased to 15 percent but there were some stats that came out last year of that of that ten percent that the banks were allowed to lend. They were only they were only, their books they were only lending five to six percent. So they were still pretty conservative hmm. for what they were doing. They could have lent a lot more, but again, it just comes back to that risk side of things. They just didn't want you know too many people falling over. So they only you know took the the cream of the crop, you could say. Um, and Makes even sense. now, even now, it's just yeah. Still being monitored, you know, fifteen percent, but it's still pretty hard for first home buyers. Yeah, well, I was, yeah. I would struggle with someone having leverage over my income. Yeah, like you know, what I mean, like, I, it's it's convenient. The same way that I um, I pay taxes yep. and people handle the roads. <laughs> like, there's benefit. Like the the bank does the yep. thing, so yep. I don't have to worry about it. But yep. or them determining. How much I get paid and when yeah. I get paid, I'll be, yeah. I, I don't know if I could live, you know? Yeah, yeah. But even that, the change, like I, I just see that the banks are now processing transactions over weekends now. So we're in the past, you know, if you came to Friday, Friday night, and an AP was due, theoretically was due out on, on the particular date, which fell on a Saturday, and that would then be processed the next business day, which would then be Monday um, night. Yeah. Um, and and people, you know, that's fine. But now, it's it, they process it on Saturdays and Sundays as well. So if you don't have sufficient funds, like you might, oh, that's okay. This transaction's not going to happen till Monday. I'm I'm fine. I'll get paid or I'll transfer money. Um, now you you can't <laughs> sit there. You're going to need to make sure that you've got the funds because it'll go out on the weekend now. Hmm. So things are still changing. Things are you know happening all the all the time. Got to keep up, man. Yeah, well, it is. It's pretty tough at times to yeah. Well, you've done, speaking of keeping up, you've done a whole podcast. Oh, crikey. It's done 59 minutes, mate. <laughs> Jeepers. Yeah. See, talk a little bit more when you know something, but when you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about your feelings, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah crikey. Yeah, got a bit emotional. <laughs> yeah, well, you're done now, but uh, thanks for coming on. No worries. Thanks for uh, inviting me.